Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside with Gene Fleming, ISSA certified fitness trainer, senior fitness specialist, and nutrition coach. We're coming to the end of March and uh, I'm kind of excited about that. Don't know why, maybe just because, you know, we're getting a break from cold weather and, and we will get into those really warm days here before long where we walk until 8 o'clock at night, sometimes just for the fun of it. No, uh, no, it's not for fun. It's to beat the heat of the day. And, uh, you know, we're no strangers to uh, getting a walk or run in when it's 85, 90 degrees, sometimes higher than that. But, uh, you know, we have learned the value of waiting till the sun goes down while we've still got a good hour or so of good primetime walking weather. And, um, you know, we've had excellent weather here. I know you don't care what the weather's like here in northeast Alabama, but we've had uh, some really nice days in the 70s here lately to wrap up into the March. But we also had, you know, tornado threats last week and high winds. And we had a little bit of flooding here, even in, you know, even in my yard and uh, in neighborhood. We had some roads wash out. And, and um, you know, but anytime you get five inches of rain in one day, you know, something's got to give. I'm just thankful that the dam on the lake didn't give. And... Uh, and even today we've had we've had pretty serious rain, but it's just not that bad. It's just life stuff, and so much of what we go through is just life stuff. And and you know this has been an exciting week for me, and I'm going to tell you why. In a nutshell, uh, we were training a couple of days ago. I guess it was Monday, and uh, we were training, and and some of my clients from back in the gym days of last year or before last year. Uh, have decided they have wasted a year during the pandemic uh, by spending too much time on the sofa and and not even trying to exercise. And I looked at the pandemic as a time to, uh, well, I got nothing else to do, so I might as well work out some. And, uh, and I've done fairly well with that. Now, with the cold of winter, I admit I slacked off some, but, uh, you know, no excuses now. Uh, maybe I'm not going to run when it's, uh, when it's thundering, thundering and lightning outside, but uh, we're getting enough good days now that it's almost always possible to get four or five good exercise days outside. But Monday, 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 one of, uh, one of the ladies that I trained at both the gym and the senior center, she said, 
you know, it's time to get back to walking again with the group and, um, and getting some exercise. And while we were walking, she shared with us that she had gone to a drive-in COVID vaccination clinic uh, in Fort Payne, where I live. And, uh, and she had managed to get shots for both her and her husband that day, and only one of them had an appointment. At least that's the way I understood it as she shared it with us. And, um, and um, I know that her husband is younger than me, and not that this is a competition to see who can get a vaccination first or anything, but um, I wasn't even slated by appointment to get my first vaccination until the third week in April. And so on a whim, strictly on a whim, I decided I was going to drive through the, uh, the vaccination site, which was held at our local fairgrounds. And so I, I figured they would probably be closing about 4 o'clock in the afternoon because, uh, as my wife sometimes jokes, uh, everything closes in Fort Payne at 4 p.m. And at 7 p.m. they roll up the sidewalks. So anyway, uh, I'd gone to the grocery store to pick up a couple of roasted chickens for my wife to make some recipe she's working on. And, and uh, I said, well, I'm just going to swing through there and see, because I had heard rumors that um, sometimes people that have appointments don't show up for their appointments on their scheduled day. And that creates a surplus of vaccinations that they can't keep. They have to be disposed of at the end of that day because they've already been thawed and, and prepped for uh, uh, vaccination. And um, so I just, I just willy-nilly pulled in there like, like I had an appointment. And uh, fortunately, and it shouldn't work this way, but sometimes it does, you know, I knew the people who were working the vaccination site with our emergency management uh, agency here locally and... Uh, and some folks from the city and and some from the health department because you know i volunteer with the the senior center and the council on aging so our circles are intertwined you know so you may not know them like go out to eat with them know them but you know them from doing business with them and i pulled up there of course i'm wearing a mask i'm sitting in my car and uh, a man in a uniform walks up to the window and he says uh, why are you here and I said, well, and I was honest with him. I said, I do not have an appointment, but I'd heard sometimes there was a surplus of shots left at the end of the day. And if you've got one, uh, I would love to have it. And he said, uh, he said, well, I don't know. Let me check. And he had to check with the, one of the health department representatives that was um, running the computer side of things and the logins and the appointment scheduling. And so then because, you know, I'm just ornery enough, I said, well, will this help? And I pulled up my sleeve and bared this humongous tattoo I have on my left shoulder of uh, my Navy senior chief rank uh, emblem, an, a fouled anchor with a star on it. I said, well, will this help? I'm a retired veteran. And he said, he said, uh, nobody else cares, but it means the world to me that... Uh, that you're retired Navy, and he said, uh, we'll see what we can do. Now, I don't know if that got me any favor or if it's just two old country boys shucking and jiving in the moment, you know. 
But uh, he said, just pull over here. He said, we've got one lady that's supposed to show up, and if she don't show up, you get her shot. And uh, she didn't show up. So I had to wait about 15 minutes. They came over and, you know, just, I mean, I was vaccinated in like two minutes from that point. And um, I had to sit and wait for 15 minutes to make sure that I didn't have some type of adverse reaction. I did not. And uh, so the whole time that, uh, that I'm sitting there waiting, I'm talking to my wife on the phone and she's excited for me because I'm the one that does all the errand running during the pandemic. I'm the one that does the grocery shopping and going to the pharmacy or, or anything else that we have to do. And uh, so, you know, she really wanted me to be protected. And of course, I really wanted her to be protected. But unfortunately, they didn't have two shots left. Or I would said, I'll be home because it's only like a mile from my house where the vaccines were being given. I would have dashed home and gotten Kathleen and and we both would have been vaccinated together. Fortunately, this uh, whim of mine may have paid off because even though she's still not scheduled to the third week in April, um, the people that I knew there said, be sure to come by next Monday afternoon about the same time, and we'll probably have a vaccine for your wife. And that means the world to me. You know, I didn't want either one of us to get COVID-19 I certainly didn't want either one of us to get sick from it. I didn't want one of us to infect the other. And so now I'm in at the end of two full days after the vaccine. And I can tell you, I'm just one guy with one experience. But uh, I had a little soreness where they gave me the shot. But it was nothing that would have stopped me from doing anything I wanted to do. I didn't... Uh, we took my fever at one hour after the shot, at three hours after the shot. We took my temperature uh, at um, bedtime. And again, the next morning, I never had any increase in um, temperature. Um, you know, I didn't feel achy, groany, moany. I slept good the night after my shot. And, um, and so I didn't have any ill effects from getting the vaccination. And uh, so anyway, that's happy news for me. And I hope that as you and yours are, you know, you know, going through this same decision process of uh, to get the vaccine, to not get the vaccine, when you can get the vaccine, getting on a schedule for a vaccine, that uh, maybe you'll be willing to, you know, uh, on a whim, check with one of these local vaccination centers and see if just by chance at the end of the day, you can get your vaccine early. Now, I know some of you have already gotten your vaccines. I've talked to you, and I'm happy for you, and I know you're happy for me. Um, you know, and there are still some people that say, well, I'm not going to get that vaccine. And I don't understand that because, you know, at age 63, I grew up at a time where we got our vaccinations at school. Did anybody else get their vaccinations at school? Uh, I remember them giving us a, a vaccine on a cube of sugar when I was probably in the first grade, and that's probably 1964, you know, um, I remember having to get shots before the school year started and, and doing it for my children. And uh, I understood the importance of these vac vaccines in public health. And, um, you know, for the most part, every vaccine that I ever got has worked for me, including the flu vaccines. And, and I've religiously gotten the, well, not religiously, but purposely 
gotten the flu vaccine every year since the last time I had the flu, which was in 1998. I have not had the flu in all those years. Did the flu shop? Did the flu shot stop me from getting the flu in any of those uh, 21 or 22 years? I don't know. Maybe it was good hygiene. Uh, maybe it was just not being close to somebody who had the flu. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I haven't had the flu, and and these days, uh, you know, I. I don't want to say I pride myself in being a healthy person. I, I think I'm as exactly healthy as a person 63 should be. I don't think, in other words, I'm a special kind of healthy. I don't have a leg up on all other 63-year-olds. I'm just glad to be here, lucky to be here, and, and glad that I got my blood work and health numbers and vital statistics turned around from where they were you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And so I got a second chance, you know, and I treasure that. And uh, so so now uh, I can honestly say that I've not even had so much as a common cold in about six years or more. Once again, it may be proximity to children or lack of proximity to children or other people or you know, I don't frequent places that are tightly packed. Uh, I don't particularly enjoy shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder crowds at concerts. Or Now, we do go to theater, but, you know, that's different. Uh, people, people are rarely yelling at, uh, at theaters. I guess it could happen. I guess it could happen. Occasionally, we go to a movie, but uh, we don't go to crowded movies. I don't know. So maybe I just got lucky that I never got any colds. Maybe I just washed my hands really good. I don't know. But up until the pandemic, I'm going to tell you, my friends, I was a hugger and I was a handshaker. <laughs> and every time my seniors came in for their classes at the senior center, you know, I greeted each one of them. I hugged or shook hands as appropriate and, you know, patted people on the back and, you know, because... Exercise is supposed to be a fun time, and we made it a fun time. In fact, uh, we started our classes out by doing something ridiculous, like uh, we'd stand up and do a little stretch, and then I'd put on Chubby Checker, and we'd dance to the twist. Yeah, and you just haven't had a good time until, until you've seen a group of 60, 70, 80, and 90-year-olds all doing the twist. So, anyway, that being what it is, I am glad to be healthy because healthy is what we're supposed to be. So tonight's subject, and this is another one that I have cooked for a week. I hope it comes across in the way that I intend for it to. Sometimes, you know, you know, we launch fireworks and sometimes we launch lead balloons on a podcast. But almost with every podcast, there's somebody that gets something out of the podcast that's personal to them and somehow helps or motivates them. And if it's only one person out of the hundreds that listen, uh, great. You know, I, I'm glad I helped you think through what you're doing to be a healthy uh, senior citizen and enjoy your retirement years. So anyway, the subject that has been on my mind is simple and it's... Um, it's a short title for this podcast. It's entitled, Someone You Know. 
someone you know. I'm going to modify that at this point to say someone you have known. Past tense. But to that end, I want to say the person you know best in this entire world is you. You. You know what you think about. You know what you worry about. You know what you fear. You know what you really enjoy. You, you know everything about you. You know memories from your life that nobody else knows. There are images of places you've been and things you've done and, and perhaps simple things like a single golf shot on one day 10, 15 years ago, a single fish on a single day that you caught and reeled in and maybe it was a whopper. You know, you know yourself better than anyone else. Around here at the Fleming house, um, Kathleen and I typically ask each other at some point, how are you feeling today? And we both lie. Or we exaggerate. She says, well, did you get a good night's sleep last night? And I said, I said well, yeah, pretty good. Well, pretty good might mean pretty lousy. You know, but I don't want to start the day off on a negative when she asked me if I had a good night's sleep. I'll say it was a pretty good, pretty good rest, you know. Or I'll ask her how she's feeling and she'll say, well, okay, which is kind of like not okay. Trust me, she knows exactly how she feels today. I know exactly how I slept last night and how I feel. Likewise, you know how you feel, what hurts, what you worry about, whether or not your sleep was good, what doctor's appointment or procedure you're worried about. You know, I mean, it could be money issues if you're struggling a little bit financially. You know intimately. You may be worrying about the long-term care of somebody in your family, a relative, uh, you know, you you may be you may be worried about the pandemic a lot, but you wouldn't dare tell your spouse that because you don't want to upset them. You know, you may be worried about one of your kids, and uh, and maybe your kids tell you things that they don't tell your spouse. We have that problem sometimes, and but Mama always tells Daddy, and Daddy always tells Mama. Trust me, because that's the way it works. But but. She might be worried more about that subject than, than I am. You know, I tend not to worry too much. So, this topic of someone you know, or someone you have known, I want you to meditate on that, think about it, mull it over in your noggin just for a second. Someone you know. Number one, the person you know best is yourself. You know, sometimes we lie to ourselves but in the end, we know the truth of how we feel about any given thing. We know what aches. You know, we, we know what makes us nervous or anxious. We know what makes us uh, consumed with worry. We know the things we're dreading, you know, whether it's a household chore, a project, uh, maybe even a vacation. <laughs> 
I'm not a big vacation guy. Uh, I'm really not. I'm, I'm as boring as buttermilk, okay? So something that has helped me in my journey of weight loss and getting fit is considering people I know and people I have known. Some of those people include my middle school principal who happened to live across the street from me as I was growing up. He was so close to me he was more like an uncle than he was a neighbor. And when I got in middle school he was my principal and he was still more like an uncle than he was a principal. And he was a guy who was very intelligent and and he was also a good fisherman and he was also a, a gardener who planted a large vegetable garden every year and he allowed me to join him on fishing trips and trips to the garden from the time I was probably eight nine ten years old and we talked about any and everything not school you know he lived well up into his late 80s you know, he was, a, he was a guy that worked with his brain, and he worked with his hands, and he enjoyed his recreational things. He also owned bird dogs and was a quail hunter. I never got to go quail hunting because, quite frankly, I don't think I'm quiet enough to do that. Anyway, so he was one fellow. There was another man who also lived well up into his late 80s, who was uh, a member of the Army Corps of Engineers. He was an engineer, and he's one of these fellows that goes out and plans what they're going to do as far as building levees or dams or uh, helping with river navigation on the Mississippi River and things like that. And he was really high up, and, and he was also my scoutmaster. Well, as a scoutmaster, he never seemed like an engineer to me. He just seemed like a guy who uh, was healthy, he was fit, he was a hiker, uh, he was a guy that worked with uh, kids in scouting, and, um, and he was a regular member of our church. In fact, he was a deacon. His name was uh, Doug. I'll just use his first name. Then I start thinking about people I know or have known who are blood relations to me. And this is what I want to dig into right here. It's one thing to have people that you know that uh, are good, honorable people who've lived a long and healthy life and, and have been good citizens and, and all of that. And we can certainly model what we do in our senior years after successful people like that. But... I started looking at my family, people that I am blood relation to on both sides, my mother's side and my father's side. And I started taking an inventory of how long they lived and how they lived. What Did they do anything special? Did they do anything that was unhealthy? Well, I can look at a bunch of my uncles who never made it to age 50 who had alcohol problems. And I say a bunch, maybe three or four. I can look at some of my aunts who lived into their 80s 
and uh, probably would have lived much longer had they not been lifelong smokers. Who knows? I look at my grandfather on my mother's side, and he lived to be approximately 93. And I always say approximately 93 because he was either 92 or 93, and I'd have to drive down to South Alabama to do the math on his tombstone. But I, I believed he was 93. My mother said he exaggerated about his age. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I know he was, he was a very old man, and he had lived and worked and been social all his life. You know, he was a dirt farmer. He was a cattle rancher. Uh, you know, uh, he outlived his first wife. They were married 50 years. So when I bring up my grandmother, my biological grandmother, I look at her, and she only lived to be 64, the age I will turn this fall. So she lived to be 64, he lived to be 93, and I had to wonder, is there something genetic there of hers that I have that it may be a tripwire for me with susceptibility to various diseases, cancers, things like that? When I look at my grandfather on my mother's side, I look a lot like him. A whole lot like him. So I look at the other side of my family, people I have known. My grandmother on my father's side also died at age 64. Now, neither of my grandmothers were obese. Neither of them were tall. Neither of them were athletic. Neither of them were smokers. They were just hard-working women that raised large, large families. Eight in one household, eleven in the other. My most vivid images of both grandmothers are them standing in the kitchen, cooking, or out on the back porch with a ringer washing machine doing laundry, or going out to the hen house and picking up eggs with them. So, I look at my uncles on that side of the family, and um, a few of them lived to be in their late 80s. My own father lived to be in his mid-80s. My own mother, unfortunately, passed at age 70. And I also look a lot like my mother. And I've had a history, a health history, that's kind of, kind of very much like hers. A lot of spinal problems, neck problems, back problems, low back problems, visits to chiropractors, uh, medication for back pain and things like that. Uh, now, my mother was obese, but, you know, a few short years ago, so was I. But she died, ultimately, of heart failure. But I look at the ones who really did senior living well and I really don't find anything this this grandfather of mine a, a few uncles uh, a few aunts I look at them and even my grandmothers that both died at age 64 and I can't really discern anything that they were doing wrong 
not the grandmothers. Now, the uncles who were alcoholics and things like that and heavy smokers and, you know, that, that that's kind of understandable. But when I look at the people that I know that got to, and I think getting into your late 80s is remarkable. It's, it's you, you're outliving the typical American lifespan if you get into your late 80s. The ones that get into their 90s, including a couple of my friends that I have here now locally that are both 93. Here's some things I've noticed. These guys are engaged. They're curious. They're passionate. They're invested. Um, they like to tell stories, but they like to hear stories, too. They read a lot. They're still studying. One of my friends, Bob, is he's an avid reader. He reads stuff about physics and geology and and health and medicine and things that uh, the average person doesn't read. But he doesn't read any fiction. You know, I look at uh, my granddad. He couldn't read. He had dropped out of school as a fifth grader because he had to work on the farm. And so he never really learned to read, and the extent of his penmanship was to sign his name. Yet, the distinctive thing about his life was, even after my grandmother passed, and my grandfather was six years older than her, so he was 70, he never stopped working. And I think that's part of the key. Bob, my local friend here that's 93, he has never stopped working. It, some of it's piddle jobs around the farm, you know. Some of it's a minor repair to a, a door or a gate or, you know, maybe fooling with a calf that's been born or something along those lines. Um, maybe it's breaking out the weed eater, you know. But he's he didn't retire in his mind and he didn't retire in his body now are they going to the gym and pumping iron no 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 we're not talking about that but my goal is to get to that kind of age and to be as able-bodied as they are I think I've gotten past the things like uh, smoking and drinking and things that I did when I was younger so that I didn't end up like that that double handful of uncles that didn't make it out of their 50s and and uh, early 60s I, I think I think I I think I, I I beat that thing that tends to kill people in my bloodline and so these days I want to look at people I know and people that have both done aging well and people that have done aging poorly. I'm always kind of astounded when somebody my age ends up in assisted living. I know it happens, and it happens for different reasons and different causes. It could be cancer. It could be heart disease. It could be uh, the onset of Alzheimer's. It could be, you know, in, in either assisted living or a nursing home. And I'm surprised that a lot of people in these facilities are not really, really old people. They're not in their 90s.
There's a few, sure. And there's some that <laughs> reach 100. But when I look at people that at age 63, 65, 69, 71, 74, that range right there that for some reason we're, we're susceptible to the sicknesses and diseases, diseases of aging and or lifestyle that made them unable to sustain themselves at the prime of their retirement years. To me, the prime of the retirement years are 65 to 75. You may disagree with that. That's okay. But those are the prime years. You know, those are when you've got, you know, pretty good strength left and pretty good vision left and pretty good hearing left, most of us. <laughs> and I st often stop and think, okay, why, why do some people not do aging well? And at what point could they have done things to have changed the course of where they would end up even against their will? And, you know, it comes down to, and, you know, as a trainer, I work with people that are trying to change themselves one way or another. Some want to lose weight. Some just want to be more active and keep their joints and muscles and everything toned up and working like they're supposed to and battle arthritis the best they can. But um, in working with these people, they have different goals. And so I routinely ask them, okay, well, you're doing pretty good right now. Let's stretch this out and figure out what we're going to do for the next 10 years. You know, because I know that even for myself, the next 10 years are going to be very telling. And I also know this for sure, that if I want to make 20 years more of quality living, I've got to take really good care of myself the next 10 years. And when I look at the people that I've talked about tonight, family members, grandparents, grandmothers, parents, uh, neighbors, a school principal, a couple of fellows that live here locally, when I look across that spectrum of people that I know and have known, I see that some have a formula. A formula. And I think the formula is in what they eat. Mm -hmm. I think it's in what they eat. And it's also in what they don't eat. That's not to say they don't do physical labor, they don't do some form of exercise, that they don't uh, stay intellectually active in one pursuit or another. But the ones that are living to old, old age don't have a sugar habit. My grandfather did not have a sugar habit. These older gentlemen that I know, they don't have a sugar habit. Um, in other words, they're not sitting down every night at 7 p.m. to watch a TV show with a huge bowl of ice cream. So at some point they figured out that diabetes was scary and heart disease was scary and kidney failure was scary and, and liver failure was scary and fatty liver disease was scary and circulatory problems were scary and history, time, and choices shaped their diets to where they don't eat too much meat 
and they still eat a lot of vegetables. They may know something I don't know. I'm going to give it a try and see if it gets me to 93. That, that, that's, that's like my goal. Now, my joking goal with my cardiologist, that he said there's no reason why I should not live to be 95. That would be good. If it's a good 95, I can do that. I mean, I saw a commercial on TV just today with William Shatner. That dude is 90 years old and still doing TV commercials. You know, some people are doing a lot of things right to get to old age and still be uh, agile in their bodies and their minds. I want to be one of those people, and I hope you want to be one of those people. So your challenge this week is to think through the people you have known and the people you know and the ones who have done aging well and see if you can ferret out what it is that person did that was special or different or consistent that helped them avoid frequent trips to the doctor and terrible sicknesses and multiple surgeries and, and frailty and weakness and disengagement. Because I can tell you, as human beings, disengagement for us is a killer. And whether you belong on a bowling team or have some buddies you fish or golf with or you attend religious services or what engagement with other people is critical to our mental and emotional health. Some of us are fortunate enough to have large families. And, uh, you know, but sometimes we live a long way away from them. But I still engage with my grandkids via, via video or FaceTime messages you know, just about every day. I, I, you know, I show that I'm curious in how their report cards turned out and, and uh, that, you know, they're planning on joining the choir when they get to middle school. You know, things like that. But engagement is important for us and investment in other people is important for us. And if you don't have something purposeful to do, may I suggest that you find somewhere to volunteer. Um, some of the ladies in my senior fitness class volunteer for the American Red Cross. They're greeters at our local hospital. You know, that's a pretty decent thing. You know, people walk in and say, I'm looking for patient so-and-so, and then she pulls it up on the computer and says, uh, she's in room 307, okay? And, you know, so, you know, find something that gives you purpose you know, my thing going into retirement is that I plan to continue teaching senior fitness classes. I volunteer to do that. I do it three days a week. I work with individual clients in the gym three days a week. And as soon as we all get our shots and we get the green light from the state, those classes will start back and the gym sessions will start back. And we're still going to do, you know, freelance walking and um, hiking trips too because, you know, it's just fitness in a different way. So look to stimulate your body and your mind. Feed your body well. Look at people that you know that both did it well and didn't do it well. And let that help you form a decision about how you're going to get to your truly golden years. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. This is Gene Fleming. 
right here in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama, at the foot of Lookout Mountain. It's like the most beautiful place on earth to me. Y'all be good out there. May the good Lord bless you.